think about this real quick before I dive into this word because today we start two messages. This is the first of two messages on free will. And my brother Aaron, he asked me uh, this morning, he said, so what's your goal for preaching this? You know, because you could teach a lot of things, right? You could teach on a lot of things. We could teach on David and Goliath. We could teach on Paul being shipwrecked. We could teach on the woman with the issue of blood. We could teach on the death and resurrection of Jesus. We could teach on evangelism. We can teach on faith, hope, and love. I mean, we can teach on lots of stuff. So why free will? And I gave him this answer. It's the same reason why we preach on everything else. You see, if you're preaching on all these other things, but it doesn't point back to Christ, then you're not preaching at all. If you preach on love, but that love doesn't point back to the love expressed through Christ, you're not preaching at all. If you're preaching on slaying Goliath, and the emphasis is how there was a young man who God used to do it, versus that it was Christ all along giving everybody the ability to do it, because he is the living and active word of God. And without the word of God, we are lifeless. Amen. So if it's not pointing back to Christ, if it's not for the purpose of salvation, both new believers coming to the Lord or, or unbelievers coming and being saved, and a continued walk in salvation, because the scripture says, work out your salvation. Right? You got to continue in it. It's not something that you arrive at and you go, cool, now I can live how I want to. As a matter of fact, this salvation takes hold of you. And now every time you preach, every time you teach, every time you're at your, your workplace or wherever you're at, you can't help but talk about Jesus. You can't help it. it it's what God talks about. God talks about himself. Not like man does. Not in a boastful manner, in a righteous manner. Because he's God. Amen. And if there's anybody who can talk about themselves and it's not egotistical, it's God. Because it's right and true. And so today we're going to talk about free will. I want to ask you to give me grace. I want to ask for your grace now. Because I've never taught on free will before. But I know someone who has. And I have him inside of me. And I don't speak on my own accord. I don't stand up here in Tony's strength and try to give you Tony's ideas. I surrender my heart. I surrender my mind. And I speak boldly with the confidence that if God himself was speaking through me. You, know, you guys know that scripture, right? That's a command. You speak as if God himself is speaking through you. So you better know that God can show up when you need him to show up. You better know that he can fill your mouth with the words that need to be expressed at the time that it needs to be expressed. You better know that God doesn't need to spend a week with you to give you a five-point sermon. He can give it to you right on the spot. You better know God can do that. And that's what I need him to do tonight. He needs to give me the words, and he will. Amen. So before we get started, repeat this after me, or repeat with me. I confess with all my awareness, with all my understanding, that I need God. Without him, I can do nothing. Without him, I could be nothing. Without him, I am nothing. Without him, I have no way, I have no truth, I have no life. Through Christ, I find freedom. Through Christ, I find peace. Through Christ, I can do all things. I was made with purpose. 
I was made with a plan. My purpose is to know God, and his plan is to know me. He did not create me for earthly pleasure. Say that again. He did not create me for earthly pleasure, but I was created only because he is loving. But knowing that, I now confess, my life is not my own. I do not belong to me. I belong to God, and so I surrender. I surrender my thoughts. I surrender my will. I surrender my life. As long as now is now. Hold on. Connect with that. Some of us are living in yesterday. Some of our people in here, our minds are in tomorrow. Some of us are, can't wait to get home and eat that tri-tip, right? I don't know what it's like. That, that sounds good. But connect with this. Say it again. As long as now is now, I will choose to live for God. And more importantly, I choose to let God live through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now you're ready to receive the word. Go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. And as you're going there, I want to read this to you. It's my heart, and I believe the heart of God, for all of us to come to the conclusion that the concept of free will would be exposed for the misconception it has become. By the end of this teaching, I pray, we would all see that we do not have free will as God has free will, but rather, as Scripture shows, our will is restricted, and oftentimes completely irrelevant when it comes to the greater plan that God has. It's a lot, right? So it's my goal to help us all see that this concept of free will, like I can just simply choose to jump on and off this stage right now, though true is restricted, not free. The reason why I say that it's not free is because I can't float across the room. So there's a restriction to the choice that I get to make, and it's based on parameters that I did not set. Amen. So here's the deal. I'm going to read to you in Genesis 3, 5, and here's the deal. The reason why I want to start here is because everybody, say everybody. That means you and me. That means everybody. Everybody is born into this disposition. We are all born into this disposition. This disposition where there was a seed planted from the serpent to Eve. And there was a disposition planted there that causes us to want what God has, which is free will. God has free will. He has the ability to do anything he wants. You don't. I don't. Amen. Can we agree with that? Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 1. We're going to end in verse 5. Look what it says. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So first I want to acknowledge here that there was a restriction placed in the garden. What did God say? You're free to eat of whatever you want except. Now here's the crazy part. He didn't put it to where they couldn't eat it. So he didn't put a fence up like we got a fence around the church, right? Praise God for that. He didn't put a barrier. He still gave them freedom with restriction. 
That was God's order. Amen. That is still God's order. That is still God's order. He says, I will be in you and you will be in me, but you cannot see my face. Because if you see my face, no one can look upon my face and live. That's the restriction being in this body that we can't see the fullness of the glory of God. Amen. So that's not free will. I can't free will my way into a place to see God's face. So watch this. God has to allow me then. So even though God said don't eat of the tree, it was God who allowed it to still take place. You may not like it. But it's the truth. Amen. Watch what it says. Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. See, most people, they'll go into the fact that when she ate it, the sin happened. Oh, it happened way before that. It went, when she touched it. It happened way before that when she decided to touch it. You, if you do, you will die. And look at what he says. You won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows. Here's the seed. Here's the disposition. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and and evil. There's the disposition. I want to be like God. You know how I know this is true? Because other religions believe it. They believe that if you're good enough in the world, you will become a God one day. If that ain't the wickedness of the heart of man, there's only one God. There's only one throne. And only he sits on it. No one else sits on that throne. Amen. So to desire to be like God is the disposition which causes people to say, I have free will. It actually causes them to go a little bit further. They'll even argue it. So I'm going to lay some groundwork this week that's going to set up next week. And next week, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to walk us through scenarios in the Bible, true documented scenarios where free will wasn't a choice, didn't even have it, where people had a debased mind, meaning they went crazy because God made them, where, and I'm giving you little samples, where the flood happened, where's the free will in that? Why couldn't they stop the flood? How about this? Where Jesus Christ was crucified. And even he couldn't stop it. Where is his free will in that? Did he not pray in the garden, my brothers and sisters? Does that mean he had the ability to do anything different? Because he said, let your, you think the, 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 the free will of man is contingent on our initiation of this process? Two people came together to make you. Where's your free will in that? I think, was it you, Matt, that showed me the number? What was that number you, that we looked at? The probability of being, it was a 400 trillion. 
that the probability of one person being made was 400 trillion to one. That's how much free will doesn't play. That's how precise God's will is. And there's this desire in our hearts to want to be God. So since the fall of human, the fall of man, the human nature's aim is to be like God. One example is the misconception of people having this free will. Even though we have freedom in Christ, that does not mean we have free will. Can we agree to that? Some people would stand up right now and say, but I could just walk away from God. Try it. Good luck. Try to snatch yourself out of his hand. Who would even test God like that? Who, who would even stand up and say, I'm just going to try and prove my free will right? Try it. Some people would say, you're crazy for saying something like that. Somebody might actually do it. Then it was already in their heart to do it. See, what you got to understand is whatever is in the heart that comes out of you is what defiles you. Not what goes in. So there's something already in you, my brothers and sisters. Here, I'm going to say it this way. How many people were born in sin? Raise of hands. Where's your free will in that? How many people are born again? Did you free will your way to Christ? You just kind of scoured the earth and found him and said, oh my God, here he is. Or was there revelation that took place in your life that was above your ability to understand, and now all of a sudden you saw Christ? See, if free will was a major player in God's plan, this is where I'm getting at. If free will is a major player in God's plan, then why in the world are some people going to hell? Why wouldn't he open everybody's eyes to the truth. And this is where we get people who are going to say, well, I don't believe hell is real. I mean, you can come up with a thousand reasons to try to escape God. But the reality, the hard reality is, nobody will. Nobody will. Free will is a misconception. We have restricted will. It's different. So let me show you. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. And you know, there's going to be some people that probably log in online. They may get a little bit uh, religious because they're going to start scouring scriptures to try to prove their point. And I'm just going to say to you, if that's in you, do it. What did Jesus tell Judas? Do what you got to do quickly. Amen? So for those of us who are born again, we know we could not earn salvation. Is that what the scriptures say? No one could earn it. It's a gift of God that no one could boast. Why would people be able to boast? Because they would be able to say, I willed my way to it. And God took our free will out of play and put it on Christ and showed us exactly what it means to die. Amen. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. We're going to run through this a little bit. This is actually talking about the first man Adam and the second man Adam. Watch this. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone for everyone's sin. Where's your free will in that? Yes, people sinned be even before the law was given. But it was not counted as sin because they had not yet, they had not yet, well, they, there was not yet any law to break. Still everyone died from the time 
of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God as Adam did. Now, Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. Hold on. There's a difference between Adam's sin, restricted will, and God's gracious gift, which is true free will. God didn't have to give us this gracious gift. Huh? Amen. Did God have to give Christ? Oh, I'm so thankful. Are you thankful, Thomas? I'm thankful. Because you know what? God chose for me already. He put it all out in front of me. Amen. Watch this. There's a big difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, of who? It said the sin of what? What? Man, I'm mad at Adam. That's messed up. Because I didn't choose this. See, if you're going to say that you're going to choose, that you can choose good, then you better own sin. Did you choose sin? Or were you born into it? See, the thing, that's what we have to come to the conclusion. Dang it, Adam. Because of what you did, all of man is now impacted. All right, here we go. Watch now. Beca okay, before I keep going, this is where people, I'm serious, this is where people want to argue the fact that, but no, I know I get it. I get it, Tony. But you know what? Free will, I can still go down to the store if I want to. Why are you going to put so much energy into something so meaningless? Why would you put so much energy in arguing the fact that you can literally jump or not? Did I do that? That stage? <laughs> I can jump or not. Why would I want to emphasize that when I know there's somebody with no legs? So why would I emphasize my free will against my brother who can't do what I can do? This is why we have to point to Christ, because Christ meets both of us where we are. That's called free will. It's the love of God. Amen. Watch this. Here we go. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even, a greater, uh, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Oh, man, we sit with our chest out as believers sometimes. We put our chest out like, I'm good. I go to church. I do all these things. You, you put your chest out. You put, you put the filter on. There was filters way before there was Facebook. Way before there was Facebook, there was filters. And there was these personas. And this is why Jesus would look at the Pharisees and be like, you're so hypocritical. Standing there in all your pride. And you're unable to see the gift of God. Let me tell you something about that. They could not see the gift of God. Because it was God's plan to blind them from seeing that gift. So they would fulfill the scripture in order to crucify and kill him. So some of you might say, wait a minute. You're saying God put, it, put that there so Christ could be crucified? Yes, God allowed him to be, to be crucified. That there was no way that Christ was going to be crucified without the stamp approval of God. Peter said, no, don't, I don't, die, what are you talking about? 
Good luck, Peter, because your free will is not going to stop God's will. No matter how much you loved him, no matter how much you said you would do, no matter how much you said you would be there, I'm sorry, he's going to die. This is startling because if we are born into sin, if that's what we're born into, then free will is out of, out of play there. If God gave me the option of Christ, then that takes me completely out of play there. If Adam's sin charged me with the penalty, then that, where's my free will in that? And if I had the penalty, if I had a penalty to pay and Christ paid it for me, then where's my free will in that? So I don't want to emphasize free will because it's just, it's not true. And let me tell you why. I'm going to read you this definition, okay? This definition of free will says this, and, and just track with me. It says, the power, and first of all, I just, I want to take that word real quick and say, that right there eliminates everybody. <laughs> because you have no power over it. The power of sin and death was over you. Right? Was it not ruling you before you came to Christ? You just kind of had your will to do whatever sin had you doing. But there was a power that overcame sin. Was that your power? That was Christ's power on the cross. That power. Now, so watch the definition. The power of acting without constraint of necessity or fate. So it's saying I can act however I want and it will not it will not affect my fate. Well, that totally eliminates us because without Jesus, we were all destined to hell. Man, huh? The destination was eternal doom. And then Jesus. And now the destination is eternal life. Watch this. The ability to act at one's own discretion. See, that's the problem with this definition. First of all, it was written by a human. It was not inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. Do you get what I'm saying? The scriptures were inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. So we can put our trust in the word of God. But definitions in the Webster's or wherever, I can't trust it fully because it was not inspired by the Spirit of God. And I'm sorry, but my discretion sucks. Should I say that word? <laughs> it sucks. I don't know how to pick them. I just don't. I mean, the worst thing that can happen is you actually succeed in this life. And then you look at your success and say, I did it. That's the worst thing that can happen to you. Because that's an illusion. That's a mirage. That's not even tangible or real. The truth is, that's going to fade. So your discretion is like a big uh, a box of, of Legos. You can kind of build something, but you're restricted to the piece sizes. You can build an empire, you can build a successful family, you can build whatever you want, but you're restricted to the sizes. You're restricted to, the, you're limited. You cannot make them live forever. Amen. Can anybody in here make yourself live forever? That is the power of God alone. He is the one that gives eternal life. Amen. Look at this. God has free will to do and allow these things without my discretion. God has free will to do and allow things without your discretion. 
Does God have to stop and ask you for permission? So where's your free will in that? I know we hate that question, right? The more I say it, the more I feel the flesh is just like, shut up, Tony. Stop saying that. You know, just leave us alone. We were doing just fine with the blessed life. We were doing just fine when the pastor was telling me I was about to get a raise. Just stop, Tony. No, tell God to stop. You talk to God about your issues. You talk to God about your successes. You talk to God about your life. Because at the end of the day, you can't free will yourself anywhere. Oh, man, I'm about to get into this because you know what? May the truth of God be told. Watch this. Comparing my restricted will to God's free will is like comparing a car's vent to the one who created it. How many of y'all got the car vents that go up and down? You got the ones that go to the side? Anybody got those ones? Or how about the, the round ones? Anybody got the round ones? You can kind of turn them, right? So each vent is different, but it's restricted to its movement. So the designer can sit and figure out how big, how small, how wide, how mobile. They want this piece to be. But the moment the piece is put in secured place, in a secure place, you can't do anything else with it or else then it's what? Broken. So you are stuck literally just going up and down, up and down. And here's what man does. They go, look at me, up and down. Isn't this amazing? I can go up when I want to and down when I want to. And they'll emphasize, and listen, we're guilty of this. Outside of Christ, we're guilty of this. We'll emphasize it. How do we do it? Listen, how do we do it? At your kids' football games. When you, when, you make a, when you make a sale at your job or when you get a promotion or when you finally go on that vacation that you've been planning for for a long time, it's in those moments that you go, look at me. And how do I know this? Because I love Facebook, but not for what most people love it for. I love it because it actually exposes the heart of man. Everything looking perfect, everything looking filtered. I mean, you know the ocean ain't that blue. You know the ocean ain't that blue. Have you ever took out Instagram and at the ocean and looked at the two and you're like, it don't look like that. It's dirty water. Sometimes, I mean, I wish I could go to Tahiti where it's see-through. I wish. But it ain't like that here in California, right. But, man, if you put the right filter, you can make it look like whatever you want. Look, I love it because this has been going on since the beginning. And God allowed Mark Zuckerberg or whatever his name is to create this social media platform where the heart of man is fully exposed. We have literally filters on every picture. Now, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying that's what we do, guys. We doll up our restricted will to make it look massive, make it look impressive, to make it look whatever. And it's so broken. And it's literally like 30 years from falling apart. You know what I mean? Like, it's already rusted. It's just not there yet. Right? Your body is already old and falling apart. You're just not there yet. Am I yelling too much? Man, it is quiet in here. I'm extra quiet tonight. Go to Romans chapter 6, verse 15. I'm not going to be too long. I'm almost done. Romans chapter 6, verse 15. Are you there? Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? What does it say? 
So why would you emphasize your ability to continue in it? When God is strongly encouraging us not to. Look at 16. Don't you realize that you became, you become the slave. What's the word say? Don't you realize that you become a what? Okay, so you're, you're a free slave. You're, you're a free slave. You're a slave that can do whatever you want. I'm a slave. I can do whatever I want. What does it say? You can, you become a slave to whatever you choose to obey. Now, this is what's so amazing about this choice here. When it says whatever you choose to obey, don't you realize that when you're born into sin, the choice has been made? And all you're going to do is choose drinking, choose smoking, choose sex, choose drugs, choose fast living, like choose whatever, choose comfort, choose that you're, what you're going to choose has a fueling system to it. It's called sin nature, human nature. So your choice doesn't, it's not like this. Look, here's God, here's the devil, and then here I am. And I'm sitting outside of these two things that are warring against each other. We got the spirit, we got the flesh. I'm sitting outside of these two things, and then there's me, and I'm going, man, you know, I really just don't like either of them. It, that is a false reality. You are not outside of those two things. You start in sin. And by God's grace, you come into life. You start dead. And then you become alive. And what you are a slave to, you will choose to obey it. Amen. Don't let me preach in vain. Don't let me preach in vain. Here we go. Watch this. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now, say but now, you wholeheartedly, tell me, can anybody wholeheartedly serve God without God? Can anybody wholeheartedly serve God without God? It's absolutely impossible. You need God's spirit in you working to do the very will of God through you in order to serve God. Amen. Right? Okay. God, help me. <laughs> Look at this. So use your whole body. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. I'm in the wrong spot. Um, you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. And some would stop here. But look at what the, the rest of it says. And you have become what? What's the word? Man, I just can't shake slavery. But you're a slave to righteousness. Oh, it is so much better to be a slave to righteousness. Where is your free will in this? It's like, it's like you had one master and now you have another master. Now you get some, some movement, but it all flows from the same source. What did Jesus say? A bad tree cannot produce good fruit. And a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. So when you're attached to Christ, there is, it's impossible to not produce good fruit. And that good fruit is not yours. You're just a branch. The, the, the fruitfulness belongs to the vine. Amen. 
This is why, watch, I'm about to give you guys some hope, man. This is powerful. This is why Paul said, and I believe it's in Romans 7, he says, I realize that it's not me that's sinning, but it's the sin in me. Whoa. What is he saying? There's a taproot. There's a taproot that goes beyond me. It is attached to something else that is not me. I happen to be the victim to this taproot. But once I came into Jesus, I got disconnected from that taproot, and I'm in a new taproot. I'm now getting the river of life. Man, I can't preach better than this, guys. I know it's better just to have like a, a Will Smith clip come up on the television screen and bump, 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 and then make you laugh and make you feel good. This is the gospel. You need the gospel. I need the gospel. I don't need the world. God never needed world analogies. God never needed entertainment. God never needed scripts to be written and then performed. He's God. He needs nothing. Amen. If I compare my will, my will, this, this will that I think I have so much power within, and, just, and you know, here's how man does it. Man is so wicked. They go, and God, he was so generous, and he gave me that. No, you took that idea when you ate of the fruit. Satan, you took that idea when you tricked Eve. That's what happened. You implanted an idea. And now we stand and say, it was God's gift to me to have this free will. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was God's gift for you to know him. Why would we emphasize free will over knowing God? Doesn't you, don't you see the foolishness in that? It's like I have God standing next to me and I can spend 24 hours, 7 days a week with him or on my own free willing now. I don't want that. I want him. This is what we should desire. And so for man to stand up and try to doll up, filter this idea and then make everybody walk around with a sense of pride like I showed up to church on my own. No. My brother and sister, God gave you the ability to get here. God gave me the ability to preach this message. I cannot preach this on my own. I can drop dead now. My life can be snatched from this body and my will is no longer existing. <laughs> Amen? And somebody here is really battling with this message right now. Somebody online is battling with this message right now because you're that hard pressed to want to do things your own way. Let me say something to you. You can't buy God. You can't earn God. You can't free will, free will your way into God. It, it, he has to open your eyes. Jesus said no one can come to me unless the Father draws. You can't even see Jesus unless God shows you Jesus. How do you think Judas betrayed him? Because he knew he was the Messiah? What about when Peter, he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. What did Jesus say to him? Well, your free will showed me that, Peter. You're a very smart guy. He said, flesh and blood. What he was saying is human reason, intellect did not reveal that to me. 
but the spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is, what is it? But see, again, let's not distort it. Freedom to do whatever I want. Freedom from sin and death. That's why we say hallelujah. That's why we get on our knees and worship God. That's why we don't need all the bells and whistles. We can worship God with hands. We can say thank you, Lord. And if we ain't got those, we can worship him with our mouth. If we ain't got those, we can worship him with our mind. If we ain't got that, we'll worship him with something. God will figure out a way. Because we're free. Man. We are not our own masters. You are not your own master. I must have been peeking, huh? We are not our own masters. You, Something is mastering you, Gabe. And it ain't you. It ain't you. You don't, like, get born into the world. Right? You start crawling and touching. Then you say, da-da. Right? And then all of a sudden you're saying, give me the keys to my car. And next thing you know, and then all of a sudden you progress to this place of awareness where you're your own master. That, that, that is not true. You are not your own master. And we are not meant to be led and governed by ourselves. Your free will would allow you to be led and governed by yourself. Your free will, this perception of free will. Like, you know, you know when you go into somebody's house? I, I pray I don't offend nobody in here right now. But you know, if, if you go into somebody's house and they're particular... Like, don't sit on the couch. I need to put the plastic over it or whatever that is, right? If, I hope people still don't do that. But, but, but are particular about their stuff, right? And we've all been that way, right? In some way, whether it's your car, whether it's your video games, whether it's your business, right? My wife is particular in the business place. I get it. Put things back where you get them, right? That kind of, it's not bad. But when somebody comes over and now knocks over something, that you put exactly where you wanted it or moved it to somewhere else or didn't change the toilet paper. <laughs> Left the empty, t you know what I mean? That kills people. Oh, my God, who does such a thing? Change the toilet paper roll. My God, stop it. <laughs> you think you have control of, of, your, of your surroundings, and so when you go into a home, that's what happens. That's what we do with our free will. We, we put ourselves in this little box over on whatever street, and then we say, this is my place, and I have control. You know, fires can happen at any time. Earthquakes can happen. Break-ins can happen. You are not as in control as you think you really are. Don't let the preachers and teachers out there fool you and thinking that because God's with you, that you could just kind of somehow go through this life untouched. What did Jesus tell us? They will want to kill you. They will persecute you for my name's sake. Your body is not safe in this world, but you are. You're safe with me. Because you should not fear, man. We said this last week, that can destroy the body. They can't touch the soul. You need to fear God who can destroy the body and the soul where? Say it, where? In hell. In hell. 
Well, where's your free will in that? I think I'm beating it over the head a little bit because here's the truth. Stop emphasizing your will. Jesus did not emphasize his will. Paul said, it is no longer I who live, but Christ. And the last time I checked, Christ died for God. And he said, so you should do the same. Die daily. Pick up your cross daily. Embrace suffering. Embrace hardship. Because you're going to face it in this life. Stop putting so much emphasis on your will. Stop trying to build a utopia and share your stuff. Oh, man, I really, I really messed up some people with that. Share. Who says that anymore? Man, kids are, I feel the anointing of the Lord. I'm almost, I almost can't get through this. Kids are raised today to go and get into debt and to go and just plug right into the world system. They're raised this way. From a young, young age, they're being groomed to get out of the house. You know, there's certain social, uh, certain societies and people that actually got it figured out. They still operate kind of like tribes. Now, I'm not saying you need to move in with me. I'm not asking nobody to do that. But I'm just saying, you got your own family. You got your own kids. You got your own thing you're building. Just think about this little thing. Just little, I'm going on a side note here, a little rabbit trail. But I feel led to do this. Why wouldn't you set them up to endure hardship? Instead of throwing them into hardship, why wouldn't you prepare them with some truth before they get out there and do that? Because here's what happens. You have a family of four. The mom and dad own a home, $250,000. Two kids, let's say a son and daughter. Let's just say two sons. I got two sons, so I'm going to use that example. They both go out on their own. Both got $250,000. Now you have three different debts of seven hundred fifty dollars or whatever the number is. $750,000 of debt for that family living paycheck to paycheck. I'm not, trying, not sure if they're going to make ends meet. That's the normal American system. Not everybody is as fortunate to have a surplus. I know because me and Michelle, we've been on both sides. But that's the normal, guys. People are set up for failure because they want to put their chest out and say, look at what I'm doing. And then you have other families of different ethnicities. They'll have 10 people in the home, debt-free. Doing way more for a God that ain't even real. But we have Christians that don't even know how to go to church together. Let alone live together. I just had to go on that. I just felt like God wanted me to say that. So let me get back here. After receiving Christ, it should be the same. Or before Christ, we never questioned sin. We simply let it lead us into trouble and eventually eternal doom. But after Christ, it should be the same. We should simply let him lead us into all truth and eventually into eternal glory. Anyone who has been drawn to Christ no longer focuses on their own will. Let me say that again. Anyone who has been drawn to Christ no longer focuses on their own will, which is restricted to whatever masters them. But they realize their will, their rights, and any other choosings that's done is based solely on the revelation that God has brought me to this place. I did not get me here on my own. Therefore, my faith is in God who keeps me. I want you to go to John chapter 15, and I'm almost done. I've got like one more, one more set of scriptures to read. Are you getting anything out of this? Huh? 
Is this causing you to think or are you getting anything out of this? Is there freedom in Christ? And do you have that freedom? Here we go. John chapter 15, verse 9. I have loved you even as the, I, wait a minute. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. And I want to say something right here. When Jesus Christ says, remain in my love. Now watch the pride of man. I'm going to put my hat away. Like, kind of like a Sylvester Stallone in the old over the top. If you're old school, you know what I'm talking about. I just need you gauge. No. <laughs> when Jesus Christ says, remain in my love. The pride of man says, hmm, let me think about that. I'll pray about that. The, the pride of man Treats it as if Jesus is suggesting for you to remain in his love. Is, does Jesus make suggestions? Do you think Jesus suggests to you, you should probably follow me? Or was he like, follow me? Okay, so there's no suggestions in Christ. So when he says remain in my love, that's a command. That's a command. This is the difference between free will and restricted will. You ready? Because this is the... This is the if there's a climax, this is it. I don't know how, if there's going to be fireworks or not, but hopefully you get it. But watch what he says. Remain in my love. Verse 10, when you obey my commandments, what happens? You remain in my love. So he did not suggest it. He commanded it. And as you are obeying his commands, you remain in his love. Can anybody obey Jesus without Jesus? Impossible. Watch this. You remain in my love. Just as I obey the Father's commands and remain in his love. So you see the sequence there. He's saying, God asked, has commanded me to do it. I am doing it. Therefore, I'm commanding you to do it. And this is how this works. It's a command from the Father. Now watch this. Verse 11. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with whose joy? Wait a minute. I want my own joy. Jesus, you don't get to, I, don't, I want my own joy. What did he say? I want you filled with my joy. Because it's the only joy there is. There is no joy outside of Christ. Am I, pre I feel like I'm at the synagogues. And, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like I'm back in the old times. Like I'm coming into a place where there's a lot of gods in the hearts of people. That we've resurrected these self-gods that we've made inside of us. And I literally feel like I'm declaring the gospel. And I'm not saying it's us here. We have brothers and sisters. We're, we're amazing here. I love the fellowship that we have. I'm not saying that, but I know there's people that I'm preaching to right now. Where the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is confronting you. You don't like what I'm saying. You want to go back to pastor so-and-so. Back in year so-and-so, when you first got filled, you know, you're never going to find that again. God has something new for you, fresh for you. Amen. He says, it's my joy. You will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy. And there he calls it. First he says, you'll be filled with my joy. And then he says, it's your joy. And I just think that's amazing because that means that my joy is his joy. And his joy is my joy. And I'm going to go nuts right now with all of it. It's overwhelming. Because he says, yes, your joy will overflow. Hold on, hold on. This is my commandment. Love each other 
in the same way I have loved you. So, dang, I can't even love on my own. I mean, if I want to buy my wife flowers, you know, like I want to have the selection. That's what makes it, you know, spicy is that she knows it's for me. Now she knows everything I give her is from Christ. It's took the spice out. No, it enriched it. It enriched it. Because every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. And so whatever I give her is coming from God. So that's the greatest gift she can get. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I've loved you. This, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves. Isn't this interesting that Jesus doesn't call us, call us slaves, but yet we are slaves to Christ? I love it. It's like, Lord, no, I don't, I, no, Lord, I'm, I'm your slave. He's like, no, stop it. I don't want you to be my slave. Come here. No, I'm, I'm, I'm your slave. That's like the whole relationship. I never stand up and go, you know what, yeah, you're right. We're friends. Let's go. It can't. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. He's too good. Watch this. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. Watch this, verse 16. You didn't choose me. Just, just before you move forward, Mr. and Mrs. Free Will, before you move ahead and you start arguing with me, look at the scripture. Tell Jesus he's wrong. You didn't choose me. What's he say? I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. If God's free will, if God's free will is as, as good, if his commands are as good as his free will, so when he commands things, that's in his free will. So he'll make commands out of free will. I, I look at it, I see what is good, and I, and I, I just do what's right. I'm God, right? So God's free will makes commands. And man's restricted will, suggestions are made. And suggestions have never been greater than commands. So many people walk around. So many of us walk around. As Christians, my brothers and sisters, let's just be honest. Can I just be all the way honest with you? I mean, I know I, I've held back a little bit. But I know I put it all out there. But can I just be really honest with you? Let's be honest here. Everybody in here in the sight of God, let's be honest. Have you ever felt like churches boast in their events? Sure, raise your hands. Let me see. I want to see. You ever felt like churches boast in their branding? In their good works? Oh, here's one. Have you ever seen people post all their prayers online? All right, now watch this. On their end, on their end, they're going to say, you better not talk about that because that's judging. Okay, they're going to tell you that. Don't talk about that because that's judging. That's a stiff arm. 
That's a nice way of saying, leave me alone. I like what I'm doing, and it's giving me validation. I just stop messing around with what I like. That's a stiff arm. But anybody who's walking in the spirit, anybody, you don't judge the person. You love the person. See, they're not going to believe that unless God reveals it to them. Their free will will not allow them to go past their offense. Did you hear what I said? Their quote-unquote free will will not allow them to go past their offense. Because they love what they're doing too much. Now, I'm not saying all churches do this. I'm not saying every church is doing this. I'm saying, has it been done? How about this? Let's get rid of modern day church and look at the Bible. Are there Pharisees in there? Were they hypocrites trying to prove their good works? Is that still happening today? Yes. So as spirit-filled believers, we know the damage it causes when people are working in this system of thinking that they have freedom. Freedom to Lord. Freedom to exalt themselves and freedom, freedom to show appreciation to everything but God. We don't judge the person because we know, just watch this, as the scriptures have read it, those who crucified Christ were ignorant. That's how the scriptures read it. And that word ignorant is always used in a negative tone. So anybody who feels insecure is going to be like, yo, don't talk about me like that. But those of us that are in the spirit, we admit that we are ignorant outside of Christ. We know that we cannot do this without God. So why am I saying this? Why, why am I bringing up these obvious things? Because man has made an idol out of free will. How do you stand with all your pride? And I'm, I'm not speaking to you directly. You might be good, but I'm speaking to the one that, that knows that this shoe is fitting you. How can you stand in all your pride up to God, up to Christ, and claim the cross of Jesus Christ? Claim the payment of Jesus. Claim the redemptive power of Jesus. Claim the sacrifice of Jesus. It's like you're standing in the garden with him while he's telling the Father, not my will, you're going my will. You're right, not his will, because I got this. He don't know what he's doing. That's what it's like when you stand up in your own strength to do anything. You're literally like spitting in the face of the one who laid his life down. You know what we need to do? I'll be here with him all day. Right here. Not my will. Not my will. Not mine. I don't want to be me anymore. I want to I know him. In his suffering, you know the greatest suffering, not my will. Does it get any harder than that? Not my will. When's the last time you said that? It should be every day. You know, some people get up and they, and they ask me, and uh, we're going to shut this off uh, right now because we're going to do some takeaways. But some people get up and, and they'll ask me at times, They'll ask me these questions like, but, you know, if I, you know, if I pray, what do I pray? Let me just give us all a reminder right now, a sobering reminder. And thank you for sitting through this. I know I was yelling. And I know I was passionate, but thank you for sitting and receiving. Because here's what you're going to give us a reminder. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be 
thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's it. What do I pray? Not my will. I can promise you, my brothers and sisters, young people, I can promise you, if you get up in the morning and you start your day out sincerely and you say, God, not my will, you're going to have an experience with God that you've never experienced before because your restriction in life has limited you from knowing the one true living God. It's when you give that up. It's when you say, I can, I can have it in my hand, but it doesn't have to be in my hand. It can be in my hand, but it doesn't have to be in my heart. I can be married, but she can't be my God. I can have children, but they cannot be my Lord. I can have money, but it cannot be my master. Somebody better say amen to these things I'm saying, because it doesn't get any realer than this. So, having said all that, take a deep breath, right? 